From the southeastern corner of western North Carolina, this is Polklore. I'm your host, James Hernisham. One of the other hats I wear is that of Chair of the Saluda Planning Board. It's just an appointed position that pays nothing and requires you to stay awake and engaged for hours at a time discussing municipal zoning, housing density, height restrictions, and a whole bunch of other topics that most people wouldn't touch with a proverbial 10-foot pole. Betsy Burdett is not one of those people. As a driving force behind the Saluda Community Land Trust, or Skillet, she lives, eats, and breathes that kind of stuff. A land trust is what you go to when you've got a bunch of land that the government wants to tax, but you and your family aren't so keen on paying the taxes. You also don't want to sell out and find your backyard turned into a subdivision of cookie-cutter homes. If you're living in and around Saluda or elsewhere in Polk County, she's the one who will set you straight about how to go about having your cake and eating it too. One of the things that land trusts do is buy development rights, but not the actual land. You lose the ability to build a subdivision, but you also see your tax bill fall to a fraction of what the tax assessors want to charge you. The land trust then extinguishes the development rights forever and replaces them with what's called a conservation easement. For families who are land rich and cash poor, this is often the only way to make everybody happy. We all love the idea of preserving the rural character of Polk County, but there's a problem with preserving too much land. Where are we going to build all the affordable housing that everyone knows we need to build if instead we're all setting up conservation easements? Well, believe it or not, Betsy and the Land Trust have an answer for that. So, this Labor Day, I headed over to her house just outside of Saluda on Puzzle Gully Road, which, by the way, is one of the best street names ever, to find out how this can be possible. We also talked about the sleazy real estate deals of the 1970s, the hazards of poor record keeping, and why landowners really should pay a lot more attention to the boring parts of the real estate business and municipal planning. Betsy Burdett, welcome to my podcast. So today we're going to talk about conservation easements and how they fit into the big scheme of plotting the future of Polk County. And I don't think too many people have as much experience with the subject as you. So that's why you're here. So the first question is, what have been the major challenges and surprises facing the Saluda Community Land Trust, which you have led for a long time, as it's worked to preserve land? I think the biggest challenge is making people aware of the threats we have to our community when it comes to development. You know, we all want new roads and all that, but we don't look beyond that, meaning that new roads will bring in new traffic, new congestion, new people, and it changes the whole whole way we are as a community. And I think people are just not paying attention. And also, I don't think people understand real estate law. I don't understand. They just think it'll always be like it is, and it's not. Another thing is, oh, I'll let my children take care of that problem. Eh, eh, no. Then the children who don't live here, they just put it on the market, and you see a a subdivision with 40 houses in it. So I don't think people are aware of it, but they're beginning to be. 
Well, it seems to me that people do become aware of things often right at the last minute. And then it's a big community meeting and everyone gets upset and realizes that basically uh, things are already in motion and it's not a lot they can do about it. No. You're right. I mean, that's right. People are not paying attention. They're not being proactive. We tend to be, as people, reactive. Just look at what we're doing as a nation. We react because, whoa, we can fight that. Well, no, we have to be proactive ahead of it to not, not have the fight in the first place. What, how can people get up to speed on developments like this? I mean, obviously, you can show up at the planning board. I mean, I'm chair of the planning board, and I never hardly see anybody show up to just see what's going on. And I don't expect them to. I don't, maybe people are busy. They've got a lot of things on their plate. How do they stay on top of the latest plan other than listening to gossip, which may reach them too late? No, we call that networking. <laughs> gossip, gossip, gossip is negative when you say things that people don't want other people to know. Network is when you're trying to actually help somebody, and we do have that. Okay, well, what I would say is network. networking is when you learn about something at the appropriate time. Gossip is when you learn about it after it's probably right, too late. Right, 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 right. Okay. Did you see? Yeah, we're not going to go down that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a downhill slide. No, I, I think there, people are learning now because the, the biggest transfer of wealth is happening now as far as the land goes because – I'm seeing we're going to be dead. I mean, I'm 75. Sorry. I uh, I have I know that I'm not going to live forever. So now is the time to make plans even though I'm not sick now. People think, "Well, I'll make that decision when I need to," but then they fall down and break their hip and they're dead. You know. Um I I can give you many examples, but you don't need them because there's one man that had a beautiful piece of land and he we kept trying to get him to put some sort of restrictions on it. And um, he said, oh, no, no, I want it to be just like it is. I want it to stay just like it is. And then he died. And his children don't care if it stays like it is. So, Well, the challenge of a family making sure that the heirs are taking a strong interest in, in the property, I mean, that... We're talking about fundamental human nature. How how do we get people to take a stronger interest in the land if they're not here all the time or if they've got other properties to worry about? There, you got two different ways you can get people to put their land under an easement. One is with money and one is with their love of the land. If... Uh, a person has a large enough income that they could benefit from the IRS tax deduction that you can get, the benefits you get from encumbering your land with an easement, a conservation easement. Some people do that for the money. We're not seeing of the 19... I think Saluda Community Land Trust has about 14 or 15 easements. One of them was done for the money, but it's a good one. So it doesn't matter. It's the land we're interested in. We want to work with the people, but the land is the gift. And this particular 
peace was so important. If he was a jerk and just was out for the money, that's just the way it goes. The land was more important than that. And we have a good relationship with this man as good as possible. But most all of them are done because they want it. And what I'm seeing in Polk County is if you have a conservation easement on your land that restricts or prohibits all commercial and residential development rights, the county cannot tax you. Your property taxes go down by at least 90%. And that's a big deal in the long run because uh, grandma and grandpa may be able to pay the property taxes, but especially if you're, well, I'm not supposed to mention name, but Henderson County property values are huge. And they're, personally, our children couldn't pay the taxes, but they own the land because we gave it to them. You know, if if somebody's making, well, I was going to say, I don't even have numbers, but the property taxes on a vacant piece of land that my children own is like fifteen two thousand dollars a year. Yeah. They don't make that much money, sorry. So that's the I see more people doing it for that reason than for the IRS income tax. Um they and there's one man who's um his dream is to have I don't know, a thousand acres. I don't know if he'll live long enough, but a thousand acres just for timber management. And so what he does, his wife makes money, and as long as he can save her some income tax, she lets him buy a piece of land. He'll cut the timber with a sustainable timber management plan, and then he'll put a conservation easement on it. And the deal is we give him... One piece he just gave to us, but he retains 50% of the timber rights. Well, this is an important fact. When you engage in setting up a conservation easement, you determine the terms, right? And the landowner. You, I mean, the, the property owner gets to say, okay, this is what I want to see happen with this land. And there's a lot of parameters you can play with, right? It's all determined by the land and the landowner. We are nothing but a vehicle. The land trust is the vehicle that helps the landowner do what's best for the land. And there's been, st- it's interesting because the us trig- I could be a tree hugger, uh, but the reality is that we're living in houses built with wood. And there's been a study that when you're doing the carbon sequest, I can't say that Sequestration? Word. Yeah, yeah, that's too hard a word. The young trees eat more carbon than the old. So we have all these lovely old forests that are actually putting out carbon instead of sucking it back in. So we do need new growth, and we do need – deer don't like old trees. I mean, you only can get so many acorns off them. But we have no grouse because we've been cutting all the trees, and they like the the duff or whatever it is underneath. So it – It's all determined by the land and the community and the landowner. 
And it's all about the relationships of all those. I suspect a lot of folks who are in possession of a nice little tract of land, a few acres here or there, they don't really know what to do with it. They're not keen on paying residential taxes. They're probably not aware of their options. Most land trusts won't take them either. We're the only land trust east of the Mississippi that does not require a stewardship management fee. And most of those conservancies are geared for large tracts of land. We'll take an easement on a half an acre. Now, we have to pay the Land Trust Alliance $60 a year for insurance to because they're the ones with the money. Right. We don't have the money. So we buy insurance from them. So we have to, if there's an infraction and we have to go to court or something, um, we have to pay the first $5,000 in legal fees and they pay the rest. It's nice to have somebody bigger than you right, behind you. But again, I don't think most people are aware um, I mean, a lot of people are just going to see the, the, the community land trust as a bunch of people who are trying to stop housing developments. Oh, we just steal land. <laughs> That's the way it used to be. Yeah. We steal land. But I think they're catching it on. And it's not that we have the three easements on the highway. Just And all that does is restricts the commercial development rights. Because the commercial zone is, is zoned commercial, and those poor landowners were paying taxes on a $100,000 a year value for a commercial zone that they would never use because their house is next to it. So they did it to protect their house and also control the amount of where commercial development has to stop. So you just extinguish the commercial rights, not the residential. And they, the, their access, they can't access their land off the highway. They access off the residential road. With they've been access, that's what they've been using for the last hundred years. So, what well, sounds like the, the skillet, as you call it, has a variety of functions. It's then. community oriented. Right. And uh, is there anyone else in Polk County doing something similar? Or are you guys, you know, kind of dabbling in the rest of Polk County? We do farm easements in Polk County. We've been working with Soil and Water, the Soil and Water District for farm easements. Because uh, if you're from Saluda, you're well aware of the fact that we don't have any farmland, which is why we all made managed to make our money on the moonshine because that was all the only valuable crop that you can grow on a steep slope. Right. Um, which is interesting because after, um, after prohibition, that's when everybody started leaving because there's no way to make any money if you could buy alcohol legally someplace else. So, so talk about uh, agricultural easements then. Oh I, oh, I love ag easements because they give more freedom to the landowner. Basically, they simply extinguish the residential and commercial rights, although almost all easements, farm easements, have the ability to build farm housing as necessary. We're doing one in Polk County. We've done, oh, here we did one in Polk County last year that was 80 acres. And we put in there because we know that small farmers are the ones that are having the hard time. 
we have allowed that up to seven acres can be used for residential development. So somebody can buy 10 acres and farm nine of them and live on one of them because that's really more important to Polk County. People have to live, but we don't want them taking that nice flat land and dividing it up into 40. Well, heck, they could have gotten 80 houses out of that. Uh, and it's out in Polk County. We got another one we're doing. It's um, They have 189 acres. They have reserved three, no more than five acres for residential use. Well, that brings us to uh, one of the other questions we wanted to talk about, which is um, the evolution of, of Polk County. Um, you know, we're halfway between Asheville and Greenville, and you can sort of see development creeping in from both sides. Um, so, you know, if you go down to Greenville or Spartanburg, there's a lot of new developments on the side of the road. Is there, is that kind of pressure imminent and or already evident in Polk County? Um, are, we, are we starting to lose chunks of land to development for, you know, people who are going to be commuting to, uh, to Greenville or Spartanburg or something like that? I want to say that's the most obvious thing. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, if you drive around, uh, people often don't explore the whole county. And, and, you know, if you, and I've been doing more and more of that lately. And I'm, for the most part, uh, most of Polk County still has a lot of farmland, a lot of grazing land for horses. Well, and what you're getting into Polk County now is people that want to be out in the country. You're getting a lot of people with a lot of money down there in Polk County because of the horses. And the example I'm using on that I was telling you about this 189 acres, um, because it's close to the equestrian center, its value is $1.3 This is McGinnis Crossroads. Okay. And it's lovely. But th that family's owned the land since 1887. So it's been through many generations, and they don't want to sell it. They want to preserve it. It's just two people own it. One of them has some children, and so we're helping them preserve that. But it's um, it's a big deal for them. But it, I mean, the idea that they're they're in farm use, so they don't have to pay the taxes. They just want to preserve it. They pay uh, farm taxes, which is. I don't know if you understand present use value taxes. Yes, yeah. They're, they're a farm, but they don't want to see it gone. Their whole, they've seen their grandparents and their parents treasure this land, and it's gorgeous. And the reason they'd come to a land trust to preserve it is because doing it on their own gives them no sense of certainty? They can't do it on their own. If you do deed restrictions, yeah. then you have to enforce those deed restrictions. And anybody that has a million and a half to buy the land has more money than these two people that have day, regular jobs. Um, so they couldn't enforce it. So the reason you have an easement is also you know that when you die, somebody else will do it for you. Right. Because it's in perpetuity. Um, it's, a, it's a big deal. It's a very secure. And somebody asked me yesterday about the money. They were thinking about the money and the tax write-offs and all that stuff. Well, 
not it's not about the money. It, it tends to come from the heart. Those people, the their my Michelle and Rusty Michael, don't want the farm that they have loved all their life go into a housing development or, you know, little mini farms with ego mansions on them, which is what would happen next to the equestrian center. Well, it almost seems like a given at this point. Um, although that's a fair, that's way over on the Rutherford side of. But that's where our food comes from. A lot of it. That's what I'm saying. We can have some moonshine here, but we still have to eat. And that's where the food comes from. So you, you have to pay attention to that as well. And we have gotten to, I get trouble with the land trust. They'll say, well, what good is it for Saluda? But they've learned that, yes, we are part of the county. And our greatest supporter for the first 15 years has been the Polk County Community Foundation. So we have done projects. We did the project with um, on Chocolate Drop Mountain. And after 10 years of taking these lots and working with the landowners, the one to give them or sell them or whatever to us cheap, um, with the funds from the Community Foundation, now it's owned by the town of Columbus, and it, it has a conservation easement on all 46 acres. And we, our children go to the same high school, and they will have a cross-country course and a trail that goes from the high school and back. And everybody loves us, which is just fine. Well, everybody except for those who are interested in building houses, I guess. I mean building large developments. And this is a key question I'm really interested in, is that um, everybody loves the idea of preserving property and getting rid of the development rights so we can keep this part of the world more or less, you know, like it's been for for the last hundred and some years. But we also have this problem of nobody can afford to live here. Yes. Especially if you're working. I mean, every single restaurant is desperate for employees right now. Well. So we need housing. Yeah. So how do we uh, how do we balance these competing interests, preserving land in order to preserve the quality of life we have, but still building more housing? But you, right, the, the developments now are not for low income people. So yes, there we cannot as a land trust. We got enough to do, but there are a few pieces that we're looking at. Uh, that if we can get a hold of them or get some funding to buy them, they would be used for affordable housing. Well, and, that's uh, that's a bit surprising to hear a, a land trust getting into the business. Well, well, not, not getting in the business, but getting involved at least. Well, we would give the land to the um, Housing Assistance Corporation and let them do it. Right. We do the land, and we're stressed out as, as it is because of the amount of work. But there are a few pieces that we're looking at. Where? I mean, just generally. Uh, we, the development needs to be within walking distance of the Saluda School. So the idea is what we call, um, you can, I call it a green envelope. You can call it a green necklace, whatever you want to call it. But it would be um, a green area around the city limits. And you want to put people as close to the city limits as you can, and then have a green belt so that everybody, the goal is that any child or parent, when they get really m- disgusted and m- mad at their parents, 
can walk out their back door and go sit in a quiet place with uh, nobody telling them what to do. They can just sit under a tree and see what the tree says. So it would be, and we're working with the Sullivans. That's part of it because the Sullivan property is uh, 80 acres, and we have the seven and a half next to it, and we're wanting, but those are all at the edge of the city limits. And uh, Henry's Nature Center is just outside the city limits, and we have uh, trails going from the outside into town. And But you're thinking of, you're, you're giving thought to the need for affordable housing oh, while yes. you're picking these properties. and Very much so. We can't get into that business. That's a whole bucket of worms. But we can certainly, this is another thing that they're doing up north. Um, I guess it was New Hampshire, Massachusetts. The land trust owns the land and puts on it a 99-year lease, renewable lease. So the landowner owns what's on top, just like a shopping center. And they are taxed on what's on top of the land, but they are not taxed on the land itself. So you can, t the fact that um, St. Matthew's Church, which was the shell of an old church, the taxes on that, because it's appraised at $100,000 an acre for the acre that it sits on, or the it doesn't make a bit of sense. But if, if the homeowner just had to pay for what's on top of the land, then they can afford to live there. Do we have that option here yet? Well, I'm working on it. Okay. <laughs> you can't change. What is it? You cheap People don't change very quickly. But this is what I do is put the thought in somebody's mind and then check on it every year or so. People do not make fast decisions. The uh, Philip Holbert put an easement on his land. I wrote the easement in 2014. He just sat on it and sat on it and sat on it until, and his is a farm easement, and he cut some timber, and then Henderson County told him he had to cut some more or they'd raise the taxes. So... That was all he needed. So he called me and said, okay, I'm ready to record the easement and sign it. And he recorded. And by state law, the county can never, ever, ever raise his property taxes. The state realized years ago in the 80s that, especially in the middle of the state, they were losing so much farmland, we can't feed ourselves if we keep taxing people out of existence. You need to give them an incentive to keep it in agriculture. It's where, yeah. So that if you're, if we actually want people to get in present use value and we're working for people because if you're in present use value, ag or forestry or wildlife, then if you can keep that going and that's not restrictive, but if you put an easement on it that protects those agricultural rights, that's the county can never raise your taxes. That's a big deal. It sounds like a very big deal. <laughs> well, because we're, we're getting it, doing an easement down there in Holbert Cove, and these people have a good bit of money. They're not even taking a tax write-off, a federal income tax write-off uh, donation. But they said 
we want to lower the property taxes because we have no way of knowing if our children will be able to pay the taxes. But if they get this easement set in stone, then it, no more worries. Right. You want to? We have no idea what's going to happen, but I do know they're not making any more land, and I know that it's hard for young people to make a living. You know, I was raised middle class. Now, with our income, we're lower class. Well, and I'm not the only one. Well, this is a. They say that the next generation is the first one in a long time that will not be as well off as as their parents. All right. And, the only reason we have what we have is because our parents died and left us some money. Most of that's all in land and. People need to know, because we're old, and a lot of people are old, if we went into the nursing home or in the hospital and couldn't pay the bill, I didn't realize they could take your house. They can't take it until you're dead. Right. But if that's your only inheritance for your children, that's not good at all, and they could take this whole farm. But so we gave the money to our three children, and they can fight over it all they want. But you have to do that five to seven years before you die. So you have to pay attention. But people, it's that same old life is going to go on and nothing's going to change. But well, it, also, it always seems to come back to people need to pay attention. And it's, it's hard, especially when we don't have a lot of, uh, there's no, no more paper of record that tells us everything that happened last night. No, and there's a lot of sleaziness going on in the real estate market. I'm sorry. Well, I, mean, I don't know much about that, but I do know that some prices are extraordinary. Uh, well, I've had my license since 1976. And when I went to real estate school, um, they taught me to do deed research. And, I, I, and we had dual agents. In other words, I could represent both. And... It was our job to see if there were any problems, discrepancies in the deed, and in Saluda, there are lots of them. There was some really, really bad legal work done, or not done, in Saluda. We have a reputation in the county for having the worst deeds. Um, I'm working on one right now. Yeah. Somebody... Uh, got a deed for three and a half acres, and then he told the surveyor, he said, here, go to here, 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 here. And it was five and a half, and he surveyed somebody else's land and then recorded the survey. So that means, for me, I have to go back to 1956 to find out. And there was a lot of who-doing in, in the middle. Well, and the records, the Polk County records are not often complete, well, that was our fault. I mean, they recorded everything that was given to them, but there was a lot of sleaziness, especially in the 70s. Okay, 70s. but it's harder to get away with that kind of stuff now. It is a little harder. But I've also noticed that some of the – here's your, the negative about the modern world. The lawyers now just look at what's online. It's not online, some of it. I mean, if the deed I'm working with now, you it's not online. You'll, you have to find that out. Well, I discovered this on the planning board. We, we were uh, Certain things were brought to our attention, and we can go on to the Polk County GIS site to look at who owns what property and what it's valued at. But the level of detail is far too rough. It, it doesn't come anywhere near close to looking at the actual plat that says this is how many 
properties are have been subdivided. Well, or... and the case I'm working on, the plat's wrong. <laughs> you know, or the name is wrong, or you know, it's just. We're probably getting a little off track here because no, but. I... But I do know, I will say, I don't try to bat brag, but because I've been in it so long and I know I've been here so long, I do, I can smell a rat when there is one. And a lot of people don't ha know how to do that. And some people, I've watched them lose their land because they weren't paying attention and somebody put a quit claim deed in and then waited seven to tw 20 years and then it's their land. doesn't matter. It was stolen from them. All that land in the old, um, don't fuss at me for this because this is what they call it, the old black section of town, old color town, that was all done illegally. And if you, if it goes on long enough, doesn't matter. It's too late. So people do need to pay attention. And so, some, and our job, oh, here's another thing. What we're trying to do is real estate agents don't understand either. I've been, had this license forever and every you have to do your education updates and stuff. They're always about the money. You have to do this, and you have to maximize the 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 benefit, financial benefit to the seller. Correct. Well, that means the subdivision is right down the road. So we're trying to soon. We're going to do a some workshops with uh, some local brokers, real estate agents, and say, you know, some buyers want to be conservation buyers. Some sellers want to be conservation sellers. Lately, we've noticed that people will buy the land regardless of the price, even for one. So you're better off with that. Now, you know, it, and educate the brokers about what is the benefit to the community. That person that's buying the land out there in Holbert Cove, we don't really need a development out in Holbert Cove. But um, he put an easement on it. One man's putting an easement on um, 51 acres, and four of it could be used for housing. So you could have four residents. That's enough, not 50. Otherwise, it could be a, it could be 40. It could be a major subdivision. We don't want that in Holbert Cove. Too far. Well, and the traffic, I mean, yeah. <laughs> right, that's part of it. Okay, well, the last issue that uh, we had agreed we talk about is the changes you'd like to see at the, the government level, municipal, county, state, when it comes to choosing what to develop and what not to develop. I mean, you 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 can play and, and you you can sort of intercede into this by by helping people buy and sell properties and, and put uh, easements on them. But what should the state and the county? One thing they're working on on is this green en envelope that I was talking about. I don't know who is in behind it, but Columbus is trying to do that. Encourage development within you know half a mile of the city limits. Walk. Right, and discourage it out. And the reality is they've done the cost of community services. It's much better for the municipality to have the services close to town. Sure. Because they save money. They also know that if it's farmland or commercial, 
they make a lot more money because they don't have to have a whole lot of in the cows don't go to school and they don't need ambulance as much so the biggest draw off the taxes property taxes is people so put the people close to and try on I don't know about trying, but Columbus is trying to adopt that. But we need to elect people that can see beyond tomorrow afternoon. Most people don't see the big picture. And most of our politics are on this, 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 this. The reaction. We need to try to get people that are proactive. Saluted just uh, did a little process of updating its... uh community vision for like 20 years in the future. Um, and I, th- if I remember correctly, it talked a lot about walkab- walkability, keeping keeping the city tight and dense rather than letting it sprawl out and, and gobble up tracts of land. So your thoughts on uh, what's working? Well, people are mad. Um, mad because of the medical center being five, seven, seven houses. I say go for it. You're talking about Greenville Street, just yeah. off Main Street. It'd be nicer if they were affordable, but uh, that's not our choice. That's why we need, if we got seven of those, we need seven affordable ones. And my issue is, we, you know, we're getting housing, but we're not getting anything that anybody can afford. Um, the Sullivans, that'd be not a bad place for some housing, but they have a cloudy title. It's so cloudy. Nobody can buy it. So it's going to be a park, which is not bad. It would be nice to have a 30-acre park. They can do that, but they can't sell it. And just so that people who aren't from Saluda, uh, the Sullivan property is just off of Greenville Street and, and kind of like tucked away in the corner of the town past where the Saluda Inn is. And uh, there used to be a church down there. Yeah, that there's some walls left. And there's some walls left, yeah. And the dog park is going to gobble up a little bit of that, right? Yeah. Yeah, so there are, the more you have within the city limits, the better everybody else will be. Now, there's a piece of land that the man just got um, a 60-foot right away by hook or crook, and it was more by crook. And it's just outside the city limits. But the in Henderson County. So if he puts a subdivision there, which he can legally do, it'll be in Henderson County, all the tax money will go to Henderson County, and all the stress will be... The traffic. Will be all in Polk and Saluda. It'll all be in Saluda. Saluda will have an ungodly burden with no advantages whatsoever. Well, other than maybe more business... For some of the shops in town. Yeah, and more. But let's fewer parking places. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so it's you can't do anything about stuff like that. What? Unless the uh, no, you can't. You can't even. Exp- that's the issue because Salutas in Polk County, they can't even expand their city limits to include this because it's a different county. We got some issues. Okay, just to wrap up, are you optimistic about the way things are moving, or does it look a little grim about finding ways to accommodate both affordable housing and keeping 
Polk County more or less the way it is in terms in terms it of amount of. It won't be like it is now, but we're hoping it won't be much different. Actually, the land trust has a good board. They have a good board with lots of energy, and they want to come. We need some money. We need some grant people. I am going to die. I've told them that. I haven't planned on when, but we're getting bigger. If we can get, like, if we can do the affordable housing tract that's next to a park. See, you're helping. Wouldn't it be nice to have affordable housing next to a public park? That would be ideal. Yeah, so that's what we're asking for, money for that. I think people are becoming more aware of the threats out there. My one issue is people don't know piddly squat about real estate or real estate law. They want to save land, but they don't want to go to the trouble. We need to educate at least the real estate people about things they can do. There's no reason why you can't have a development. Like, like they have one up in Massachusetts. It was really nice. It was a 30-acre tract, so they put in nine or ten houses, so a couple duplexes, a couple quadruplexes. Nice, nice quadruplexes. I was really impressed. Not a line like we're used to, but they were really nice. So everybody had an entrance from a different side. So everybody had their own front yard. And then they all have the 20 acres. That they share. Yeah, that's all. Like the waters of Camp Creek here. We've got uh, 12, but these are deed restrictions. So we're try, trying to get all the other members to think about a conservation easement so that when they're gone and the wealthy man buys the lot, they won't turn it into a minor subdivision. But conservation subdivisions work because you would have 50 acres and put nine houses. You could put on half-acre lots. But then they all, so you only have to put in one road. The one in Massachusetts had a circular road with, you know, like the Lake Sheila with a lake in the middle. And then they all have the 45 acres that are left. A hoof and foot. Is it within the uh, legislative powers of a municipality or the county to say, okay, we're going to grant you the rights to do a subdivision, but you have to leave so much of it as a common park area? I don't think you'll get them to do that. Um, you can, but th you'd have to get permission. I don't know. In the olden days, all our public parks, all national forests and stuff, came from people being irate about the northerners come down and cutting every tree and cut every tree in the south. And then all of a sudden, when they got up to Virginia, it was getting too close to home. And they said, this has got to stop. So they got the government to buy the land. Well, we don't have that support from our national government or our, our state government does pay for farm easements. So we are working on one of those right now. So the state uh, agricultural department does have some money. And we could use some of that. But municipalities are all about money, 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 money. So, yeah, we have to deal with that. Well, at least we've got the uh, land trust and other land trusts out there um, 
to give us some ability to control development. But the one thing people don't understand, the landowner holds all the power. So it's up to the landowner to do it before they die. Because if they put restrictions on it, their children might be able to enforce them. But if the landowner goes to the county or the landowner does that, the county or the planning board can't do a darn thing about it. Well, let's hope that a bunch of landowners are listening. I, I really think somebody said, um, I guess it was Gerard said, well, why wouldn't they, why would they do that if there's no financial advantage? And it just, it took me a while to get my dander up and said, I'll be darned if I'm going to take care of this land for 40 years and then watch somebody come in there and just rape it and destroy it. <laughs> so I don't want to leave a bucket of worms. I want to leave a good plan. And that's just the way it is. Most people are like that. They're just like Philip Holbert. He said, uh-uh, you're not going to... You're not going to legislate me out of business. So you're optimistic about humans in general, just not necessarily our institutions. Our institutions, I, I, my issue with a lot of the employees is they just don't want to lose their job. I do know nobody's arguing with me in Henderson County anymore or Polk. When, when they do something wrong, like Henderson County made some really big mistakes. And... Um, with their appraisals, and all you got to do is go to the state. And it's amazing how humble the counties get when the state calls them and says, "You're, this is illegal, you can't do this. It's, I, it's really nice. So people need to know that the counties cannot, or cannot tax you for rights that you don't have, which is a lot of the problem, and you the landowner holds all the cards. We're going to wrap up right there because that's a really good line. All right. Thanks so much. So you're quite welcome. Well, I hope that wasn't too wonky for you, but I also hope you learned something because I know that I did. I'm going to switch gears now. The next series of episodes will consist of interviews with candidates for the Polk Schools Board of Education. The election is in November. Thanks for listening, and as always, you can reach me at jameshh at with your suggestions and feedback.